Hi, today is Friday, September 23rd, and on Muskie Talk today, on our first ever podcast, we'll dive into the ba- Xavier Musketeers basketball schedule, talk about some other Xavier sports going on, and get you set up in the recruiting landscape and more. Let's to get this thing started. All right, let's get this bad thing rolling. I'm John Baldridge, joined by my broadcast partner, that is Alex Biernett. He is a legacy at Xavier University. We'll get in a little bit of that. And welcome into our first podcast ever. We'll have this here on the Xavier Newswire up every week. Every Friday, we'll get this to you. We're recording on a Thursday night. And Alex, how you doing? How's it feeling getting another basketball season, getting ready to roll here in about a month or so? John, I'm getting real excited for the season. Uh, looking forward to a good one coming up. Yeah, it should be good. You know, we have... There's a lot of hype through this team right now, not just with the new coach, but there, there's, you know, a lot of praise going into this team. We go back all the way to, I think it was June 9th when uh, the Xavier had their first coaches show with uh, Sean Miller ever. And Sean, over 100 people showed up to the Dillies Cafe here in Cincinnati to welcome him back. And, I mean, there's just a lot of praise and a lot of hope for a guy like yourself who, as we mentioned, and you'll dive into it. I want you to, if you don't mind diving into it, um, being a legacy, your grandfather went here, you know, and there was big talk about when he went to NIT, and he was happy about that. But we want to get to the tournament. And, you know, legacy, your dad went here. And, well, what do you think about Sean Miller coming back? Was it the right decision for the Musketeers to bring him back? Well, Sean is a, or, well, John, as a longtime uh, Xavier fan, uh, I certainly know what Sean Miller can bring to the table for a program. Uh, I was only about six or seven years old, I believe, when he actually made the departure to Arizona. But he's, his coaching still has a lasting impact on me. I actually went to uh, two of his basketball camps in my younger years, and I actually still have a picture with him. But uh, I know what type of coach he is, and I remember the runs that he made with Xavier. And when he was at Xavier, it was always about a winning tradition, um, and we're really certainly looking to get back to that, especially making deep runs in March. We just talk about the coaches that have been here over the last 20 years, and you go from Thad Mata, and you bring in Sean Miller, and then you know you go from there to Chris Mack, and now you end up at Travis Steele, and now we're here back to Sean Miller. Uh, we'll get into you know Chris Mack later on in the next couple podcasts and so forth. But uh, today I just want to stick with Sean. We also want to talk about Travis Steele. But Travis leaves. He goes to the University of Miami, Ohio. But I really feel like Travis was given the chance to win here. You know, he comes in where after you, you lose Chris Mack to U of L, and then you have Sean Miller that is gone. So, you know, it's Travis Steele's job, who he's been here for a long time, and he just never was able to really had the success to win games, and I felt like he had a good team around him. Is that how you kind of feel about the situation? Was it the coach? Was it the players? Was it something off the court maybe? Yeah, John, it, it was always kind of strange because you felt like he never had an issue recruiting. He It felt like he was recruiting at the same level or even a higher level than the coaches that uh, – were here before him it was always just the struggle of winning ball games when you need it to and it seems like Travis Seal was unable to avoid the slumps uh, that just kept on going especially in Big East play where in the beginning of the year his teams were almost always ranked in the top 25 
uh, and had a very good non-conference. It was just the Big East uh, gauntlet that the teams really struggled in. And you had the wonder with the high four-star recruits and the, the talent around the team with great incoming transfers every year if it was just coaching decisions that were causing them to slide into the slump. So we'll see what uh, Coach Miller can do with this uh, roster that he's inherited and some of the pieces he's moved around to get a roster of his liking for the coming year. Yeah, I mean, and we talk about that. Xavier last year started so hot, and then, you know, they, they, they beat Ohio State back in November, and I felt like it was just going to be the year. You know, it was probably like it finally was going to be the year that Travis Steele was going to get off the, the slumbling road. It felt like, you know, it had been three years since Xavier made the tournament, and it felt like it was going to be the time. And then conference play came, Alex, and I felt like they could never really just get anything going. I mean, they had a couple decent wins. I mean, we, we, uh, we went to that Connecticut game last year, at least I went, and um, there, was, there was praise around this team, but just never felt like this team could ever get that win and get going in the conference play. Yeah, uh, the thing that's always that's been interesting with Xavier the last couple years is it seemed that they've lacked an identity and a true one person that's taken the team and put them on the, their back. You saw at times it was Jack Nunji last year. But in years past, there's been the one guy, the J.P. Mcura, the Trayvon Blewett, the Edmund Sumner, somebody who's just willing to put the team on their back and take the leadership and know how important it is to win these games and not allow teams to fall into the, the depths and the slumps that they've fallen into in the last couple of years that's prevented them from making the tournament. So leadership's been, amongst the players, has been just as important as the the quite honestly, the debacle of coaching uh, down the stretch for the team. and You just look to hope that Coach Miller is able to get more out of his players this year and get them to assume uh, more of a leadership position. I mean, 8-11 and 11 last year, Alex, and in conference play, and that's after they started very hot. They ended up in 23-13, and 13, but I feel like just in any conference in the Power Six in college basketball, you if you can just play average, average basketball um, in conference play, you can make the tournament. And Xavier just wasn't able to do that. Another struggling Big East tournament again. It just felt like, you know, they, they get Butler and they, and they weren't able to win as a nine seed versus an eight seed. And there's got to be just a stance where this team's got to come together. And I felt like they was never able to do that last year. We talked about the coaching debacle, and you just brought up some of the players. And, and we'll get into some of the guys they brought back. But was was there one guy? I mean, I felt like there was never that one guy last year that wanted to take that shot, wanted to – They can, uh, Travis Steele can never find those five guys he wanted on the floor to, you know, whoever – Whoever it was, no one could ever step up and make the big play. Was is that how you kind of felt about it? Because that's how I felt. Well, John, uh, me, a guy who's been watching Xavier for all of my life, I know that the successful Xavier teams do two things really well. They shoot the three-point shot really well at high efficiency and are willing to move the ball around to get the open shot, and they shoot the free throws well. And those are two things that the team just could not get done last year at all at any clip. And it's what's really hurting them because you're relying too much on the defense and you get out of sync and you find five or six minute slumps where you're not scoring any points and that's where you lose games. Yeah, and you know, you have a guy, I would say, 
there's a guy in Colby Jones who, if Colby doesn't score, this team's not winning games. Um, it, it goes through him. Same way we mentioned, you mentioned Jack Nunji, and Jack's the same kind of guy. They're led on this team, and it, you lose a couple players in Nate Johnson and Paul Scruggs, who were the team's you know scores last year. And as I mentioned, I felt like there was a time where Xavier could never find the guy that really was their scoring. You lose you lose two of your top scores last year in Johnson and Scruggs. Who do you feel like this year is going to have to step up besides maybe Jones? And is there another guy that you look to maybe have a big year to really get this team you know into the tournament play? Well, John, you touched on. Uh... Colby Jones and Jack Nunji, but I think you're going to have to get a big year out of incoming transfer, Sole Bomb, and also the upcoming freshmen. Because whenever you look at a Xavier team, there's always that one or two freshmen that really make their impact their first year. And I look at a guy like Cam Craft come, maybe he's the sixth man, maybe he's starting, or even Desmond Claude, where they make an impact in some way. They're coming off the bench, or like I said, even starting, but they're going to have to make their their presence known early on in order to uh, make the Xavier team successful because freshmen are always a very important part to a winning college basketball team. Yeah, and we'll talk about Solomon. I'm going to head on real here real quick. He averages 19.8 points per game, and he was over with UTEP for the last three seasons, started his freshman year at San Francisco, but started in 28 games last year and 30 games played. Averages 4.5 rebounds per game, 2.9 per assists, assists per game. Saleh Boom, who will be the starting point guard on this team, they're going to have to go through him because I felt like, you know, you lose a guy who, and Jawan Odom, and we'll get into coaching. Jawan goes with Jonas Hayes after they win the NIT over to Georgia State. And, you know, you're really looking for someone who can fill the starting point guard position. And Paul Scruggs is gone. As we mentioned, Nate Johnson has gone to two of their top scorers. Bob's going to step up. Uh, Colby Jones is going to be step up. We're going to see more out of Conkle this year. If you had to, and I mean, it's still early, and I know we still got probably a month or so before we even get to the start of the season. Who are some of the guys that, you know, you think that maybe not even starters, just guys that are going to have to play crucial minutes this year? Well, um, I would say first and foremost, you're going to look at Colby Jones. Um, you look at players of the past that were focal points of the Xavier teams. You look at your J.P. Makiras, your Trayvon Blewitts, your Matt Stanbrooks, your Edmund Sumners. They're playing 38, 39, even 40 minutes a game. And they're just not going to be able to come out because they're such focal points. Um, as long as they're staying out of foul trouble, of course. They're going to be playing every minute of every game, uh, except for maybe a brief water break. But they have to be ready for that grind and know how important they are to have out on the floor because without them, the team's just not the same. Sean Miller is back, and there's we, we hit on that a lot. But Sean doesn't just bring a winning attitude to this team, and I felt like that's what we're needing is a winning attitude. This, this campus, these fans have been looking for a winner in a long time, and they haven't had a team in the tournament now. If we don't go this year, it'll be five years. And he brings in a guy in Adam Cohen who coaches Stanford. Adam will be the associate head coach. You bring back Deontay Jackson. If we mentioned Jonas Hayes is gone. Bring in a guy like David Miller who's also coached with a guy with Sean Miller at Arizona. And, you know, Miller, who Sean Miller who took the team to the – 
Final Four, excuse me, the Elite Eight three times at um, Arizona and had a great players like DeAndre Ayton. And, and there's just, he goes down the line and it feels like he's just brought players and players out of there that have made the NBA. But I want to talk about one guy in particular to this coaching staff, Alex, that has been a piece that I think Xavier's been really needing. And, and, and maybe people underestimate this uh, coaching position, but it is the strength coach position. And a guy named Andy Cutler, who coached at um, Louisville with Chris Mack, he coached for the Brewers for a while as their strength coach in the MLB. So he's, he's been around the block. And all I've heard, and we've seen these players around campus just, you know, going to classes and so forth, and all I've heard is just praise, and these guys look more in shape, and all I've heard is just how much Andy Cutler has done a good job to get this, get this team in shape, and, and it's going to be a long season. You know, you start in November, you, you start working out early in August, early in July, and you go all the way to March, so it's a long season. Do you think that was one of the things Xavier really needed was to get – I felt like Xavier could never really out-hustle a team like St. John's or maybe Seton Hall last year, a team that will just beat you down the floor. What, what do you think about bringing a guy in and Andy Cutler? Well, John, strength and conditioning um, in college basketball is one of the most – it's one of the most important things. You look at a team like Villanova last year, they made it uh, – as far as they did in the NCAA tournament with only five or six guys. And you wonder how they do that. Well, they're a strength and conditioning coach, got them in shape to be able to run five or six guys. Um, and that's truly remarkable and a testament to that program that you can win as many games as they did with really the talent level that Xavier had, quite honestly. Uh, and to do it with five or six guys, it's incredible. So, and like you mentioned, uh, Xavier's team at times, they looked out of shape, especially when they uh, they themselves ran into foul trouble, COVID issues, injuries. Uh, it looked like when they had to go five or six deep, there was almost no chance because they were just out of condition. But um, with a new strength and conditioning coach, it'll be interesting to see uh, if guys are able to stay on the floor longer, which could result in more wins down the stretch. Yeah, you bring up a very good point. Um is the illness to this team. They had the flu when they went up to Brooklyn to play in that tournament over Thanksgiving last year when they played Iowa State, and they lost that game by 12. But that was really a game was I felt like all the starters were out, and that was the only non-conference loss. We had the whole non-conference schedule, we, and we've hit on this, is just how bad we were in conference. But I felt like this team – and, and Andy Cutler's going to do a good job is just getting this team back to where we have seen Xavier with, and have you seen Xavier with, you know, just being a legacy here, just the leadership that of just, you know, being in better condition than a lot of teams they're playing. I do want to run through this roster real fast. We hit on Soleil Boom, who is their transfer out of uh, UTEP. Uh, Alex, I'm going to run through them real fast, but that's all right, all right with you. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so we got Desmond Claude. Desmond, who the Xavier got, he's one of their – he was one of Chris uh, – Travis Steele, excuse me, uh, recruits, and he still decided to come after Sean Miller took over the job. So Desmond is a 6'5 guard out of New Haven, Connecticut. And what do you think about a guy like this? We've heard so much praise about him being able to – 
really you know battle down low and he'll be a good inside shooter the the one thing I've heard about him is just that he might need to work a little bit on his outside shot but um what do you think about Desmond deciding to stay here after Sean Miller takes over well it certainly uh tells a testament to Sean Miller's ability to recruit because Desmond Claude was committed to Travis Steele and obviously when the coach goes usually the recruits and most of the players go so that just shows how much uh, confidence the team has in coach miller and the upcoming recruits having enough confidence to stay at the school that they chose with a different coaching staff uh, so you can see the faith there already before the season's even started but a little bit on a little bit on desmond claude um, he just looks like a really solid player overall and even if he's not the best scorer per se you say he can get it down low but maybe he can't shoot as well. That's okay. I mean, as long as he's distributing the ball um, and working in the flow of the offense, you saw too much the last couple of years where we were really sliding as a team and the offense wasn't scoring. It was a lot of one-on-one ball and lack of offense being run, which uh, caused a lot of problems. And that's where those scoring droughts came because yeah, really we just weren't running an offense at times. So yeah. if you get point guards in there that are able to facilitate the offense, they don't necessarily have to be the scorers. They just have to be able to distribute the ball. Yeah, just to hit on that, uh, there's something, you know, and I felt like when you mentioned it, there, I felt like there was a time last year and just a period after Travis Steele got fired that, you know, you had to hire your coach so fast. I felt like they, after Travis Steele got fired, they had Sean Miller hired before they even won at the NIT tournament. And they fired him after the first game of the NIT tournament. So there was a time where you had to just fire guys so fast. And and that's how it is with just the recruiting circuit and, you know, getting guys out there. Like if you, you know, you bring Sean Miller in to go recruit players and he has to get here hired as soon as he can so he can go out there and recruit. But I felt like, you know, to bring these guys back, you mentioned, I don't know how many minutes we'll see out of Desmond Claude just being a freshman. But you'll have Jerome Hunter back, Cesar Edwards, who I expect to see a lot more minutes this year. And he ended the season strong last year. Bring a guy like Deontay Miles back, who I was surprised to see him back. You only lose Ben Stanley, really, besides Nate Johnson and Paul Scruggs and Jawan Odom. So they only see those guys transfer away, which I really felt like you were going to maybe lose a guy like Zach Fremantle. You might even lose a guy like Jack Dungey, I felt like, at a time where – because you're not sure. You I mean, you had a time where you don't know if these – if Sean Miller is going to bring new guys in or if he's going to – uh, decide to st- play you or not. And they decide, a lot of guys decide to stick around. But finish up the roster, we mentioned Jerome Hunter, who could start this year. I think if the Xavier hasn't announced their captains yet, but I really felt like Jerome was one of those leaders on this team. And I felt like he could be one of those captains. Kobe Jones also, we mentioned he's going to be a lead scorer for this team this year. Uh, Cesar Edwards, Adam Kunkel, another guy, Adam Kunkel, who really, I feel like, and Alex you want to hit on this, I feel like if we're going to be successful, Kunkel's going to shoot the ball well, he's going to have to play good defense, and this team's going to have to lead through his success in being a senior and being one of the leaders on this team. Yeah, John, you look at uh, three players on this team that I think are really have a pretty similar profile. You look at um, Adam Kunkel, Cam Craft, and Kiki Tandy, and all three of those guys can shoot the ball really, really well, and you know that. But it's going to come down to how well they can play defense and how well, how well they can play overall uh, and take smart shots. Because at times you saw Adam Kunkel uh, and Kiki Tandy when he was healthy, they were taking shots that were 
a bit out of character and not in the flow of the offense. Um, but you, you hope that Coach Miller can kind of rein them in. Um, and hopefully they become better shooters over the summer. And we're just going to have to see um, where they where they develop this year. But you really hope to see guys like that uh, take a stride this year. And we'll see what we can get out of Cam Croft. Uh, you've, all you've heard is he's one of the most elite shooters in the class. Yeah, that's what I was going to head on next. And I won't mention his name, but I was talking to somebody inside the program who has very good connections to everything going on. And he mentioned to me that if Cam Craft can't shoot the ball, and we're saying that he can, but we've seen guys, and I know you've seen guys. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I've seen guys that, for the Cardinals that could not shoot the ball. And I'm sure, you know, as you mentioned, you've been here for a long time. Your parents went here. Your grandparents went here. There's been guys that can't shoot. And if Cam can't shoot, then that's what I've heard. What's he doing here? So he has to be a great shooter. I mean, that's what I'm expecting from him. He's very tall. I mean, you expect shooters to be somewhere in the in the 6'2", 6'3", range. He's 6'6". So, you know, you expect him to play good defense, too. I really hope Cam Craft can see some minutes this year. I think of him or D. Esmond Claude, who's going to play more. I think I would say Cam Craft's going to see more minutes this year. Yeah, uh, when I look at Cam Craft, uh, to just give him uh, a direct comparison from the last few years, I see a lot of J.P. McCura in him. Uh, they didn't necessarily grow up from the same area, but you just see a gritty, gritty player who shoots the ball really well and is going to get after it on defense and is going to be a pest for the other team. Yeah, and then another guy that we haven't even discussed, and he was on the team last year, who was another great shooter, is Kiki Tandy. And Kiki, I mean, injury bugged last year. I mean, there was talks about him, you know, out there on the court after games just shooting shots and shots and shots with, with student managers. And then he could never see the floor, just injuries. Do you feel like maybe with a new coach and Sean Miller and Travis still gone, Tandy might see more minutes this year. I, that's all. I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that he's a good enough shooter. He'll see some minutes this year. Yeah, Kiki's been a really interesting uh, story for the Xavier program. He's uh, you saw him for his fr- his freshman year. Uh, he was seeing valuable minutes and scoring uh, double digits just about every game. And he was named to Big East team his freshman year. Um, but his last couple years with. Coach Steele, he, he didn't see the floor much. Uh, it contributed a lot to his practice play and a lack of defense. But um, then he failed to injury his last year. But to stay at Xavier was certainly an interesting situation. You have to imagine that Coach Miller had to have uh, said something along the lines to, uh, to keep him playing here. And uh, you'd have to assume that that would be some minutes coming up this year. And uh, – Hopefully it's a breakout season for Tandy because you know what he can do. Yeah, I don't know much about Tandy. Um, I just know what I've seen him, you know, working out on the floor trying to see minutes. But a guy out of Hopkinsville, Kentucky, so not far down the road. And Tandy is is one of those guys, and as you mentioned, I feel like, as you said, just a guy that hopefully he can see minutes. And I think Sean Miller had a lot to do to keep him around. Just like, you know, you lose a guy like Jawan Odom. But to see, see Tandy stay, that's that's a real praise for Xavier. Another guy, we talked about Miles, but I want to switch over him. He has a lot of talent. We'll get in just real briefly. Just get in him real briefly. He has a lot of talent. He's When you look at guys in, in, on this campus and you say, you look at the Jack Dungeons and you look at the Colby Jones and you look at the Adam Kunkels, but when you see Miles, you see a guy that is NBA 
talent prospect, and he's just never put it together. But I feel like if this team is going to be really successful this year, Miles is going to have to be good, but Jack Nungy is going to have to play great. Yeah, John, I totally agree. Just to touch on Miles for a second. He was a guy that coming out of high school was um, – he had all the physical attributes to be great. But he lacked a lot of coordination and strength. And Coach uh, Steele saw the, the potential out of him out of high school, but it hasn't exactly added up. And going back to the strength and conditioning, you wonder if some of that will help him become great. Uh, he drew a lot of comparisons to local product out of Cincinnati, Jackson Hayes. Uh, he was also a lankier player who uh, really had the ability to dunk the ball and uh, go up and catch just about any alley-oop. Uh, and you obviously have seen what a phenom he has become. But Miles has uh, has not exactly um, added up to what we originally thought, but not to say that uh, he doesn't have a chance to prove himself this year uh, under a new coaching scheme uh, and a new strength and conditioning coach. Um, but then also to ch- uh, talk about Jack Nungy. He was the absolute commander of the floor last year. Um, he played his heart out. He Yeah, the offense went through him. The offense always ran through him. And you felt like he was a guy that was going to take the shot when he needed to. Uh, on a team where it seemed like nobody wanted to take a shot at times. Uh, the only thing about Jack Nungy's play is you felt like at times he was playing maybe a bit out of position, taking maybe a few too many threes, and you saw how well he could stroke it. Yeah, I felt like, you know, Alex, I just feel like he was a guy that came in here. I wasn't expecting a whole bunch from him. We saw him earlier in the year, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe he'll fill some minutes, but he was the guy that got the rebounds. He's the guy that got the points, and when they needed a bucket, and, you know, we talked about as we just we talked about it a lot, just not on the air, but just a guy that I feel like there was never really a guy they wanted to score the ball. But Nunji, if there was one guy, it was him. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and the, like I said, with him playing out of position, he was a guy that did make a lot of clutch three point baskets. But the thing is about having your your seven foot uh, center taking three point baskets is. Uh, when you're out on the top of the key all the time, there's nobody to rebound the basketball. And uh, you did see Xavier struggle uh, with the rebounding last year and often got out-rebounded, which uh, is certainly not a stat that you want to be a part of, which uh, contributed to a lot of their losses, uh, to be quite honest. But you also want him shooting, so you have to wonder if Coach Miller will maybe go with a, a double-man front at times uh, or look to just get him an open shot. But you know he can stroke it, but you also want to use his uh, dynamic inside ability, uh, especially since we've uh, brought in other dynamic shooters that are in more of the shooting guard position uh, where they're not relied upon to get the rebounds. Yeah, and we'll get into our starting vice before we start in this podcast. But um, we'll finish it up real fast. Two more guys that are on the team that we'll have to talk about is Zach Fremantle and Elijah Tucker. We didn't see anything out of Elijah last year. He uh, wasn't seen on the floor. We did see him around campus some, but not on the floor. Hopefully, don't know how many minutes we'll see out of him this year. He's a 6'7". Probably see him at power forward, maybe small forward. Um, And then Zach Fremantle. Fremantle's a guy, and if there was one guy, Alex, that I felt like was going to transfer as soon as Juwan Odom said he was going to transfer, maybe even before, was, was Zach Fremantle. And it just never happened. I felt like... No offense to his own doing was just I felt like he wasn't given 
a whole lot of fan support last year. I felt like at the end of the year, they really want to see Cesar Edwards on the floor. And Fremantle, yes, he was injured at the beginning of the year, but I feel like he had a down year. And, and the thing with Fremantle is, Alex, is we talked about Fremantle as a sophomore, about why we liked him so much because about how his, how his potential was so high, how he was here and he could be way up here. And it just felt like he went downwards. And, yes, I still feel like he has that potential to get way up there to a really good player. But we only got one year left. And if he doesn't do it this year, he won't. But I feel like there's still a chance for Zach Fremantle to be a really good star in a Xavier basketball uniform. Yeah, uh, you, you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt last year. Obviously, he was coming off of that leg injury where it prevented him to get in the flow early on in the year. But when you look at Zach's profile, he's an interesting 6'9 build where he's almost a few inches too short to play down on the post where he has seen success, but then he's also a few inches too tall to really be out shooting the ball or facilitating the drive. Uh, so at times it seems like he struggles to fit in, but um, when he gets the right matchup, he's been absolutely unstoppable. And he has been uh, one of Xavier's best players the last couple of years, so you have to give Zach a lot of credit. And also, uh, you've heard out of the Xavier camp this year that he's had one of the best summers uh, in the program, and he's always working his butt off to get better, so you certainly have to give him kudos to that. Definitely. I mean, he's a guy who I feel like maybe the fans don't get him enough credit, but I feel like this team knows it. And he was a guy just like Paul Scruggs, who if there's a leader on this team, Zach Fremantle's that guy. But I do want to finish it up. Uh, we'll get into – I want to get into the schedule here in a second, but we'll get into uh, – I'll name them to you. Michael Wolf, Bob Nungy, and Bradley Colbert are the walk-ons on this team's roster this year. So going into – let's dive into some of the schedule. We'll start the year at Kentucky Wesleyan. We won't go through all the games, but I want to dive into some of the bigger games. Biggest game on the schedule to start the year will be that November 18th game. That was the same day we played Ohio State last year. This year we get at home Indiana. So the Hoosiers come to town down the road from Bloomington. That should be an excellent game as they head east. What do you think about that CentOS Center will be raucous, and there will be a lot of fans, a lot of students sitting outside tailgating that game. That's going to be a 6 o'clock start, so an early start for TV, but that should be a very good game between, I don't know how Indiana is going to look this year, but Xavier, they're going to be ready to go for that game. Yeah, John, you're looking at an Indiana team that made the tournament last year um, and really finished uh, pretty strong, um, and they're a team that's always up there. Okay, but okay. You love to see uh, these Gavit games and uh, – the opportunity to play these Big Ten teams, especially at the Cintas Center. Uh, and you know last year how much fun we had with Ohio State coming to town. Uh, and these are typically school. These are schools that are within a couple hours of Xavier that, quite honestly, we just don't get to play enough. So it's great to have the opportunity to play them, especially on your home turf. Uh, and certainly, you know, Cintas Center will be rocking for that uh, and a likely chance for a quad one win opportunity, which uh, – Yep, yep could give us a good chance for March. Yep, and then we get into, that will be on November 18th, and then the Musketeers will head straight from there on November 24th. They start their tournament over in Portland, Oregon, in the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament, which is a 
great thing for Xavier. They went to Brooklyn last year, as I mentioned. They got the flu during that tournament. Iowa State, they had some other good games. But this time, they have a chance to play Florida in the first game, and then they'll get Duke or Oregon State. It would be great to see Duke. First year without Mike Krzyzewski, so it's going to be a great chance for, for the Musketeers to get really their name right there in the center of action right during Thanksgiving. Yeah, John, I totally agree. Uh, just really getting in a tournament like this, you saw uh, the Xavier's really been in some great tournaments the last couple of years. Obviously, COVID has thrown a bit of a bone into the, the equation, but we we went to the Maui Gym Tournament a couple of years ago with some really notable teams in there. But this tournament, you have the Dukes in there, you have the Floridas, uh, you have the West Virginias. You're getting Xavier's name back on the map, uh, right where it was a couple years ago, where, quite honestly, you were a number one seed, and you were a team that was right up there with the the brand notoriety of the Gonzagas and Dukes, and we're on the, the, on the brink of being a national name uh, just about every year and a lock for the tournament, and uh, being in tournaments like this are a great recruiting showpiece um, and can really just put your name on the map. Uh, around the country uh, and you know certainly a lot of fans will be locked in uh, around the nation on Thanksgiving uh, around their TVs with their families watching this tournament yeah and you know we'll be back home for Thanksgiving doing doing all Thanksgiving suburbs and all that kind of stuff going on with the family but for Xavier to play and I hate to speak like we're gonna get to play them but just speak on it for a second. I know you're a legacy, and just talk about that for a second. You know, you grandfather went here, father went here, you go here to get a chance to play the Blue, Duke Blue Devils. What would that feel like for a family that has been reached, rich, deep in the blood of Musketeers over the last 50, 60 years? Well, John, actually, just a little bit of a backstory. Uh, my grandfather actually went to high school with coach uh, Mike Krzyzewski in Chicago. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That they, is, that's so cool. That is, God, that's cool. Yeah, they, uh, they, I believe they've talked a few times since then, but. Um, they, were they, they're pretty close friends? Like, did they know each other pretty well each, in high school? They, I believe, went to a few dances together in high school and hung out. Uh, my grandfather, I believe, was on the student manager staff for the team, and he was a, a good player on the team, Coach Krzyzewski. Oh, I mean, all I've seen him on is just social media and games and so forth, but he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, I've heard nothing uh, but praise for Coach Krzyzewski, but uh, this is a, a matchup, Xavier versus Duke, that hasn't happened uh, since the Elite Eight going back to 2004 where Xavier was quite honestly robbed of their first Final Four. Um, you saw some phantom fouls um, where Xavier was getting their one a few of their best players taken off the court um, in what ended up being a really close game. Uh, and it was a le- it was a 66-63 final, uh, Duke being the number one seed that year, uh, going on to the Final Four. Um, but... It was a great game, uh, and you hope that Xavier can get some revenge this year for that one back in 2004. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. It's been a while. But um, Duke had a great year last year, too. They went all the way down to the Final Four, and they bring in a very young coach who was on the bench last year. It's our associate head coach, and John Shayer. And John has, you know, I guess to Coach K is just speaking for Coach K, and I don't have the right to do that, but – I would just say that, you know, they, they think they think the world over at Duke of John Shear and 
hopefully he does well for their program and it should be a very good game if Xavier gets to play them. And if not, they get if they play if they play uh, Oregon State, that should be a great game too. But a couple to finish off before we get into the conference schedule, West Virginia, and then they're at Cincinnati. Uh, Bearcats on the road this year. Got to go over to the Fifth Third Arena. They just remodeled it uh, a couple years back. So should be a very good game between Cincinnati and and Xavier. West Miller in the second year over at UC. The Bearcats did not fare here well last year against Travis Steele. And I felt like just going, getting into that point, I felt like last year, around this time, Xavier, during, during the time of December where Xavier, you know, killed them. They won by 20 points. And then here we are a month later and Xavier's having a terrible collapse two month and two month or two later. Yeah. Um, and this pains me to say as a Xavier fan, but I feel like too often the last couple of years, we've been pinning the Crosstown shootout as our national championship, as our Super Bowl. Uh, and we've really regressed after that game. What do you think about, sorry to cut you off. What do you think about like a guy like Travis Steele canning out like 400, uh, was it a thousand, two thousand dollars to Dana's after the game? Well, I think that's a great thing uh, for the school community, but I think that we, as a team, maybe have to focus on the bigger picture of the year. Celebrate that game. Uh, it's obviously one of the greatest rivalries, in my opinion, the greatest rivalry in college basketball uh, with all the history, but. We have to move past that game quickly, win or loss, and remember that we have a full season uh, ahead of us. But I am certainly looking forward to the matchup this year and uh, hope that we can get UC uh, on their home turf this year. Uh, and they're a team that's really improving. You uh, see Wes Miller, what he's doing out on the recruiting trail, uh, it's truly remarkable. So you hope that it can continue to be a competitive rivalry because that's when the rivalry is at its best. What do you think about Bobby Huggins? The old UC head coach coming to town as they play here on December 3rd. It's going to be a Saturday night matchup. Should be an excellent atmosphere for that game. That's right after Xavier gets back from the field. Actually, they'll play one game at home against Southern Southeast Louisiana on November 30th. But they'll after they'll but that's really much coming off after the Phil Legacy tournament and they'll get West Virginia. What about Bobby Huggins coming to town? You know, there's a lot of people that. Love Bobby Huggins, and there's a lot of people that don't like Bobby Huggins. Uh, do you have any opinion on that matter? I know you're not a big UC guy, but just him leaving UC and coming back to play in Cincinnati against the Muskies on December 3rd. I feel like there's going to be a lot of respect for Bobby Huggins. Um, I feel like most of the fan base just, just at this point recognized how great of a coach he is. Uh, obviously, he's being recognized into the, uh, the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Yes, he just got in like about, was it a month ago or so? I believe so, yes. Um, and he's just really been one of the best coaches uh, in all of college basketball for the last 20 years or so. And uh, I think the fans around here recognize that. But uh, other than Bobby Huggins, you know that it's just going to be, like you said about Indiana, an absolute ruckus setting. Uh, as a sports fan, we're going to be spoiled that weekend because on Saturday we got – West Virginia, Xavier, and then on Sunday we got Kansas City Bengals. So uh, you hope that we can get a couple wins that weekend, but it should be a good one for us. I don't want to talk about purchase right now with Bengals season tickets, but 0-2 starts. So <laughs> we'll try to digress from that and talk about when they get a win. We'll bring that on the air. But uh, we'll get into recruiting here in a moment. I want to dive through this conference schedule real fast. We won't go through every single game. 
just some of the things I, I want to talk about. You start the year against Georgetown, be the first non-conference uh, Big East game, and then they'll be home for Seton Hall. There's a couple big ones in here. Of course, you got Villanova. That will be at Villanova on January 7th. That will be a Saturday night game. And they're back at home against Vanilla Nova on a Tuesday night. I'm not a big fan of that Tuesday night start on February 21st at 6.30, but it's for TV, so you deal with what you got. But, you know, it should be a very good conference schedule, and there's a lot of tough games, same, team as la- same teams as last year. It's just finding a way to win these games. And that's how it's been. It just hasn't been able to win. And I don't know if that's Travis Steele. I don't know if that was the team. I don't know if they were just tired. Whatever it was, but they're going to have to find a way to find the guys they want on the floor to win these conference games. Yeah, John, you hope the change of scenery for the team with the new coaching staff can get them over the hump. Um, you saw a team last year that had a great first half against Villanova in that uh, that opener there against them, and then they just absolutely collapsed, which was, was hard to see. And then uh, after that game, quite honestly, the, the collapse uh, got even worse. Uh, and we, we went on quite the skid there. But you you have to assume that Coach Miller knows what it takes to win in college basketball. He has just one of the greatest profiles of any coach in the game right now. And he's not going to allow something like, like that to happen uh, to, the me- to the best of his ability. Uh, and you have to have trust in him that he's going to be able to steer the ship in the right direction to at least get a 500 finish. Because quite honestly, the Musketeers have a top three or four roster in the Big East and are nearing a top 25 roster in college basketball. So uh, making a turn, not making the tournament this year, uh, or at least making a deep run in the Big East this year would be uh, quite the disappointment to the program. But I have all the faith in the world that Coach Miller is going to be able to, to steer the ship in the right direction. You know, you bring up a very good point, um, somewhat hitting on what you just said. Sean Miller is a guy who has three kids. I'll name their names. Austin, Cameron, and Braden. They're between ages 27 and 20. He left here in 2009, which when when they made the Sweet 16, the year before they made the Elite Eight. Do you feel like a guy that is now 53 years old, do you feel like he's a guy now that there's not as – not saying that kids are distractions. And we're young. We're only 20 years old, and you're 19. Right, But to my point is, do you feel like there's, you know, his kids are older now. He's back for a second time. There's not as many distractions. And he's already done a great job. We'll get into recruiting here in a moment. He's already added some excellent recruits for the 2023 class. But do you feel like just maybe that the kids are a little older, maybe they're out of the house, some of them are already coaches doing their own thing, that Sean Miller might just be a little better than he was here last time when they were in the Atlantic 10? Well, it seems like he certainly uh, had all the time in the world because he, uh, quite honestly, didn't have to come back to coaching if he didn't want to. Uh, But he had the drive for college basketball uh, that obviously couldn't be settled down. I remember in his introductory press conference, he said that uh, when he was at home, he wasn't good at anything else. He... uh, couldn't fix anything around the house, couldn't fix the toilet, couldn't cook. He took cook, a whole year clean. off, man. Yeah, it seemed like he was almost becoming a nuisance to his house, so uh, he had to go out and get a job. Um, but all jokes aside, you see how effective a recruiter he is, and 
how much respect he has from the recruits, uh, the current Xavier players, and uh, the media. Um, and they know how great he is uh, in retrospect just to college basketball in general and uh, how he can put Xavier back on the national stage. Yeah, and just to, just to add to that, Sean Miller, I feel like distractions aside now, they're, they're grown up, they're older. He's going to be the best for himself. And I'm not saying that a year off does that to you. And we don't know how many games, and we haven't even mentioned this, we don't know how many games or when it might be or, or what time of the year it might be when Sean Miller, if, if Sean Miller is suspended. It could be two games. It could be he suspended for ten games of conference play just for his accusation, his recruiting violations he faced at University of Arizona. But I feel like Sean Miller was the best fit for this program. And I haven't really even publicly said that. But I feel like Sean Miller, distractions aside now, he brings in guys like Andy Cutler, David Miller, Adam Cohen, who are helping this program, being back a guy who is a great guy. Then we and I don't see I'm not out there seeing them recruit internationally or even nationally with with a guy um, in Deontay Jackson. But when you see Deontay around campus showing these recruits around, he's doing a great job. And I just feel like to myself, this team is going to be successful through in and throughout this season. And it's going to be it has to start early though. They can't. I don't feel like. You know we had a good start to the year last year, but I feel like if we're going to play well this year, it's going to have to be. We might lose a couple games early, but we're going to have to be consistently throughout good this year. Just like just like a team that's struggling right now, like the Bengals, is going to have to be consistently good throughout the year. Maybe maybe they're maybe they start the year under 500. Maybe somewhere down the year they they lose a couple games they're supposed to win. But I feel like Sean Miller isn't going to go out there and lose this five or six games in a row like we saw with Travis Steele. Yeah, and you just go back to his winning tradition. Uh, he's never had a problem winning. Um, so it would be hard to imagine that inheriting a roster like this and adding his own pieces, that whole struggle at all to, to win at this level. Uh, Sean knows the Big East. He used to play at Pitt back in the day. So he knows what it takes to win in this conference. Uh, and it felt like at times Travis was maybe uh, – seemed like he was not ready for the opportunity. Um even though he was a great guy uh, and the players loved and respected him so much, I feel like maybe he just wasn't quite ready for this opportunity. You know this team better than I do. I'm, you know, grew up in Louisville. I only a sophomore here. We're both sophomores here. You know Travis Steele better than I do. You know the the time frame before him with with Thad Mata and Sean Miller and then Chris Mack. Chris struggled at U of L, uh, University of Louisville, and. But what do you think about Chris Mack had so much success here? There's so many of the fans thought, you know, losing Chris Mack was a hard loss to this team. Travis Steele was given his time, was given his due, but do you feel like Travis really recruited the players he was supposed to, you know, the good talent? I mean, do you feel like he had the, the, the realms of the best players out there? Because there was talk in Louisville about Chris Mack, you know, being a good recruiter recruiter but the recruits probably weren't as good as everybody thought they were made out to be because this team could never win and they really thought Chris Mack was going to win in Louisville he did not 
Travis Steele, what do you think about him, his time after Chris Mack leaves to go to the University of Louisville? Yeah, John, um, it's always interesting to see because the guys who are ranking these players uh, are just college basketball scouts, um, and you never know how these players are going to pan out, but it seems like the last couple years, uh, and obviously I like the players we have now, but there were instances where the high four-star guys that we were getting maybe weren't the caliber of players that we thought that they could be, um, and maybe they weren't the best fit for this team. Um, but you have to imagine that Coach Miller will have a better idea um, of the players that he wants to get, and uh, he'll be able to bring in players that can help this team win uh, for now and for years to come. Yeah, and Sean Miller, this team is looking – and I think that's going to be a very successful season. We'll get into recruiting. We'll talk about the 2023 class in a second, Alex. I want to dive into something really fast, though, is we'll talk about the men's soccer team, the women's soccer team, and some of the sports going on here in the fall right now. Volleyball is also going on. We'll dive first into men's soccer. They uh, just finished up a win against Evansville this week, 3-1. to one. So they're going to go to 6-0-2 oh, on the season. They'll be back in action on Saturday as they face Marquette at home. That will be at 7. So there are tickets available. So if you're trying to come down to see them on the pitch, they're having a good year. They have not lost all season. So a lot of Big East games coming up here for them before they go to Big East tournament play. So uh, make your way down here to Xavier's campus to find your way. And also, if your student was into this on the Xavier Newswire, uh, come on down. Cheer them on. Get some points for Xavier, basket, for Xavier basketball and all sports going on aside here. Also get into women's soccer real fast. They're 7-2-1 and one on the season. Just come off a one nothing win. That would have been last night against Butler on the road. They're back at home on Saturday against DePaul. That one is at 1 o'clock. Excuse me, that's on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Slowly back home. They're 7-2-1, as I mentioned. 1-0 in conference play now. So also, plenty of games still left at home. Come on, make your way down and see them on the pitch. And finally, if you want to go inside, it's, gonna, it's getting a little colder. It's been a little colder this week. It's supposed to be 43 tonight here in Cincinnati. So it's going to be a chilly night. So some on Xavier volleyball going on. You missed a good one last week. Xavier on Saturday night faced their rival, their foe, the hated but always respected UC Bearcats. They won in three sets in that one, won the last set 15-7 over the Bearcats. So the Musketeers go to 7-3 and three on the season, and they'll be back in action on tonight, tonight at home against Villanova. So plenty of actions down at the Centos Center to catch them. So plenty of sports going on here in Xavier in the fall. Teams are going well. All the teams with winning records. All the teams doing well here, Alex. And what do you think about uh, just, you know, make sure get your way to come on down here. And uh, you're a student, so make sure you get your points. If you're a student listening to this podcast, make sure you get down and do that. Oh, yeah. Um, it's always important to support the teams that don't necessarily get the credit they deserve. Uh, so come out and uh, support all your teams. Definitely. We'll also dive into a little bit of women's – I just had it pulled up here. The women's basketball captains for this year. I mentioned I thought a guy and, – and, Alex, you were shaking your head at me. I thought a guy that should be a captain is Jerome Hunter. I think he's really respected on this team, just like Zach Fremantle, just like Adam Kunkel. Um, 
you said no, but I think so. But but there happens haven't been announced, and I don't know if Sean Miller does that. I don't think he does. But the women's team has been announcing captains for the 2022-2023 season. We'll get into their three captains right now. Court, Courtney Pranger is one of their captains. Courtney Pranger, yeah. Pranger, my bad. Michaela Hayes and Shalila Bieber will be the three captains for the Musketeers women's team this year. Their schedule was released. They'll have some games coming up to start the season. They'll start the season. We'll pull that up here right now. They'll start the season on November 7th at home, just like, excuse me, on the road. They started playing them at home this year, last year, Miami, Ohio. They'll go to Oxford this year to play Miami, the Bobcats, on the road to start the season. They'll start the season at home. Their first home game will be November 10th against Detroit Mercer. That one will be on a Thursday night. So plenty of sports going on here as we get things going and things are rolling with the Musketeers here on Muskies Talk. I'm John Baldridge, and that is Alex Burnett. We got, we'll got we finish it up. we got a little more recruiting to get into, and I want to dive into something after that. We'll save it to the very end of the show, but it's something I, I thought that was just crazy to me. Uh, but I won't, we'll say that for the end of the show. But, uh, Alex, do you want to tell people how they can follow you through maybe Instagram or something like that? He doesn't, so I will. You can follow me. I do a lot of sports. I'm doing some high school sports right now. That is John R. Baldridge at Twitter. That is J-O-H-N-R-B-A-L-D-R-I-D-G-E. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns for this podcast, you can always – Email me and Alex, and also he'll he'll respond to the emails. It's just on my email, but he'll get back to you if you have any questions for him too. That is John R. Baldridge, the same way, B-L-D-R-I-D-G-E, at Outlook.com. Finally, Alex, I want to get into recruiting. Uh, we've talked about it off the air, as we mentioned some. The, Xavier adds four recruits already for the 2023 class. Do you want to talk about those guys or sh- or do you, should I? Uh, if you want to just bring them up, uh, I can touch on them. Okay. I think before we get into that, actually, I want to talk about something that Sean Miller said, and I think it's the reason why Xavier's adding so many good recruits and maybe it's, maybe it's underlooked is, is the, is the facilities that Xavier puts together. They have one practice court right now. They have a nice hydroplex place where the players can go get sur- tr- surgery or whatever they need. Treat, to, treatment, treatment, my, yeah. treatment, my bad. To go get that, they have down there, they have the tennis locker room, the women's locker room, the volleyball locker room, the basketball locker room. A great place for the players to work at under the stadium. But they add their second court, which Sean Miller talked about when he got hired here at Xavier. I want to play some of those comments Sean had to say about just the facility Xavier's putting together to bring some of these recruits in. So here's Sean on that. What we have with the Clee Camp Center is the finest facility of its kind in, in college basketball. You know, the way it's constructed with the outside world and light shining in, uh, it's spectacular. And uh, I think it's going to be a real difference maker in our program moving forward. Uh, it gives uh, all of our athletes between volleyball, men's basketball, women's basketball, you know, all of the court space that they need almost simultaneously. That was Sean Miller on just the Cleek Camp Center and just what it's bringing in for this recruiting circuit for the volleyball team, for the basketball teams, for what's ever going on in the CentOS Center. Alex, Xavier's putting some great facilities together. I know it's lost some of our parking for the, some of the students last year, but uh, 
But what do you just think about Xavier just, you know, Sean has done a great job at just trying to bring the best facilities, and not just Sean, but this, you know, Greg Christopher has done a great job at just bringing some of these great facilities together. Yeah, John, and uh, obviously all this work uh, predecessed uh, Sean coming in, but um, uh, you know how dedicated this program is and this athletic department is to putting uh, the best uh, athletics facilities that they can. Uh, you see the Sintas Center just a few years ago, they received millions of dollars in renovations, and they're always tweaking small things in order to, uh, you saw the locker room was even improved a few years ago. Uh, just things that are in the get recruits wanting to come here and uh, even the fans wanting to continue to come to the games because when it comes down to it, fans uh, are the driving force of this program. So uh, keeping the fans happy is just as important as keeping the athletes happy and uh, keeping the recruits happy. So uh, keeping those facilities up to date uh, and some of the finest in America is going to do nothing but help this program. So got to be happy with the booster funds that uh, – have been allowing this to happen. Mm -hmm. Alex, want to talk about recruiting? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, so we'll start with the 2023 class. We'll start with the main guy. And, I mean, there isn't a guy I felt like into this program. And we talked about Cam Craft earlier. But I feel like this is the guy. And, I mean, I really think, Alex, and I don't want to give my season prediction away yet, but I really feel like this year we might – we're going to have a good year. But I feel like that 2023 year is going to be really good, and it's going to be led by the factor that we have Trey Green. Trey Green, we'll go through the four sites that do recruiting really well, and I don't know if you know him, On3, 24-7 Sports, ESPN, and Rivals.com. On3 has him listed as 65 nationally, ESPN 53, 24-7 Sports 66, and Rivals up to 101. So across the board, it's about somewhere between 65 to 75. But what do you think about bringing a guy in? He's only a 5'10 point guard. But I think Trey Green has a real special. He can move the ball. He, he can really shoot the ball really well. He can drive and penetrate really well. What do you think about Trey Green? being one of the land recruits, star recruits, a four-star for the Musketeers to bring in for the 2023 class. Uh, you mentioned Trey Green? Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, Trey Green, he's a guy that reminds me a lot going back to uh, quite a few years ago, actually, uh, with Xavier. He reminds me of a player like Mark Lyons, a player like Two Holloway, who they were some of the shorter guys that you would see uh, playing college basketball, but they were also some of the most skilled uh, and they could always put the team on their back, and they were great vocal leaders. They could always score, uh, and they were part of great uh, Xavier teams, and you actually saw Mark Lyons follow Sean Miller to Arizona. Uh, so I'm guessing that Trey Green uh, maybe saw some of the success that Sean Miller's had. Uh, you even look at Sean Miller himself. He's just a guy who's about 6'1", uh, around 6 feet tall, who played point guard himself uh, at Pitt. And he knows what it takes to bring these players to the NBA and uh, be really successful in college. So I, I'm guaranteeing you that's his recruiting pitch for some of these players. And you lose a guy like Soleil Boom, who will be a grad student this year. So you really need a guard. And I feel like 
you don't see – I mean, you saw Cesar a little bit last year that played as a freshman. You don't see many freshmen get a lot of minutes here at Xavier, but I feel like if there's one guy, Alex, that might see minutes is, is Trey Green. Do you agree with that, or is that something that maybe he'll still need a little bit of time before he sees the floor here at Xavier? Uh, well, Trey Green, um, it'll be just interesting to see. He'll be coming in next year. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll just have to see what happens this year. But a guy of that impact, you'd expect to see the floor his freshman year, uh, whether it be coming off the bench or at that point maybe starting because uh, you don't know. Maybe some players will go to the NBA uh, from Xavier and we'll obviously have some graduates. Um but, yeah, it's Sean Miller. He uh, had a lot of the one-and-dones at Arizona. So uh, we'll see. Um, I don't imagine that culture would ever come to Xavier just because we're not that type of university, really. But um, if a player's dynamic enough, you'd expect them to jump on that. But Trey Green, he, uh, he really seems like a guy that's going to make a great impact his first year, I would say. Yeah. And then – Three other. We'll get into Dalen Swain next. Swain is a six-seven small forward out of Columbus, Ohio, and we'll go through his standings real quick through his recruiting industry comparison. For Swain, you have eighty for on three. He's rec- nationally one fourteen for twenty-four-seven sports. Uh, ESPN has him in his eighty-seven nationally, and Rivals has him as eighty-three. He's a four-star. I think Swain, you see a lot of guys that Xavier, I feel like just in the last couple of years, they've had a lot of guys that can play that small forward position. And there's just so much depth to that position. So to really see a lot of minutes early is going to be a struggle, I think, for Swain. But if he can shoot the ball really well, then he could see minutes early, and especially being a guy from Ohio. He would know Xavier, and he knows how this team's ran, and he should know how Sean Miller is going to run this operation and to stick with Xavier after, you know, to go with Xavier, really, after, you know, we see Travis Steele leave and they bring a new coach in. And Deshaun to go after him and actually land him is, I think, very good for Sean Miller to land guys inside his own state, recruiting in his state. And and Swain hopefully will be a guy they can lean towards, maybe not – right away, but I see him as a guy they, that will see minutes, especially later on in his career here at Xavier. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, it's way too early to tell what type of minutes he's getting, but it's great to see uh, players like Swain choosing Xavier over places like Ohio State and you see uh, that he was definitely considering that are within the state, so it's always great to pick up those guys that are considering some of your rivals, your local rivals. Right, right. And then you have Reed DeCharme. Reed is out of Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, 84th nationally on, on three. 24-7 has him in 97. And Rivals has him nationally at 79. ESPN doesn't have his rank, does not have it ranked. But I think another shooting guard, you, you know, you'll have Colby Jones will be a senior next year. So, you know, you'll have to – I think what you're getting out of Reed – is you're going to have a really good shooter. You're going to have to really shoot the ball well. Just the kind of same thing as we pitched on earlier with Cam Craft, a guy that's going to have to be a really good shooter, or I'm not really sure what he's going to do here at Xavier. Maybe be a good defender, but just kind of the same way with Tandy. If you're going to see minutes with him, he's going to have to shoot the ball really well. Yeah, and I think uh, Ducharme will be 
possibly have a few more dimensions than than some of those other guys that you mentioned just because of his build. But okay, uh, okay. yeah, but I mean, as long as they come in, they work hard, they're going to be great players. And uh, he's a guy that I think is going to have great success at Xavier uh, in the coming years. So I'm really excited about him. Got you. Right. And then one more, one more. We'll get into Kache. You want to pronounce this one? Is it Nach- Nachi? Um, I believe it is Nashi. Nachi. Yes. Okay. Kache, Kache Nachi. So on three, nobody has him ranked, but he is a three star. So, I mean, he's six nine center. We haven't really seen. That's one position, and we'll. I want to. We really won't dive on him much because I really don't know much about him. But that center position here at Xavier has been the biggest debacle. I really felt like, and we've talked about Deontay Miles has the size, has the potential, has the strength, has the motor, and just has never put it together. Uh, same thing with Nunji. I don't think Nunji's really a seven foot, but I really feel like he's still kind of that in between between power forward center. Do you feel like Xavier's really ever really had that mainstay at center? Well, Xavier centers. Going back uh, as long as I remember to guys like Kenny Freeze, um, to the Matt Stainbrooks, um, to the Sean O'Mara's, to the now Jack Nungies. Those are guys that were really scrappy, played really hard, played great defense, uh, and were willing to rebound the ball. Uh, recently, I would say, and even in between those guys in the years, there's been a bit of an identity crisis for some guys that fall into that 6'9", 6'10", category where it's like, are they big enough to play center to be successful in the Big East? I don't know. But um, oftentimes, yes, I would say. Uh, you look at Fremantle, as we touched on earlier, he's a guy that's about 6'9", and he looks elite against uh, certain teams, but he does mm-hmm. seem to struggle in the Big East. Uh, and then you look at Nanji, who's at least 6'11", and uh he does have much more success uh, as he's, he dominates. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, in the coming years what we do at center. Uh, do you feel like Jack Nungy is that center type? I mean, he's scrappy. There's no for sure deal about that. He is a scrappy player. He'll get in there and take boards, make some points. But do you feel like – I feel like – I know he's seven feet tall, but for some reason, to me, he still feels like – Kind of like a power forward center, as I mentioned. Just a guy, I don't really call him just a center. I would say, in some ways, he plays like a power forward to a fault. But it's not his fault, if that makes any sense. Uh, I think last year he just had to play out of position in order to get any points on the board. He was just getting so frustrated that he was like, okay, I just have to go out and shoot a three because we need points, not because it's my position. But it was more so just because nobody else on the court could score at any given time. So he had to go out of a center position, um, which made him see seem more like a forward than a center. I would say he's definitely got a center build. Um, just a guy who can absolutely dominate the post if that's where he focuses his game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's pretty much all I got for the team. Is there anything else you want to add? I want to dive into one more thing before we go off the air, but is there anything else you think on the team that you want to dive in or maybe the coaching staff or their schedule? 
Um, I can't think of anything right now. Uh, it, it'll be interesting in the, in the coming weeks as practice starts to see how these players start to develop, uh, and then we'll get a better I- idea of uh, s- potential starting lineups. Of uh, yeah, that old dive. Actually, can we get into that real fast? Yeah. Can we can we do a, a early preseason, way too early preseason prediction of our starting five? Because I really feel like I'll let you go first, but I really feel like it's going to be a very. It might look different than everybody's expecting it to look. I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're going to have to find a guy to find Dwan Odom's uh, his hole in the roster, and then you'll be interested to see if some guys that were starting on Travis Steele's team uh, will be starting on uh, on Coach Miller's team, like uh, Jerome Hunter. Will he be starting uh, with the new system? I do not know, but uh, we will see in the coming weeks. But, yeah, we might as well go ahead. And... Do you want to give me those five guys, or do you want to kind of hold on, hold off for that for a bit? Um, I mean, obviously, you're going to have Colby Jones. Uh, he's going to be there. He's going to be out there whenever and whenever he, uh, whenever and wherever he can. Uh, and then you're going to have your Jack Nunji, uh, out there. And I, I believe Fremantle will be starting as of now. It just going to depend on what type of look we want to go out there with. Maybe he's the guy who's coming off the bench, sixth man. But I see Cam Craft more as that sixth man. Where do you uh, see a guy like Cesar Edwards fall on the roll? Cesar, I see coming off the bench unless he makes tremendous strides in the preseason to show that he's going to be the one. Potentially, maybe Fremantle is a guy who doesn't play center at all this year and has developed his game in other ways to where he can be more of that forward uh, who can be shooting mid-range jumpers and not relying as much on the post. But that doesn't seem like it's as, as much his game. Um but I would assume that it's going to be a three-way split between those guys, and then Miles will fill in where he can. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if he gets any sort of playing time this year. But then um, you're going to have some guards that are going to be fighting for some playing time. Uh, I see Tan- Kiki Tandy as a guy who may not start, but uh, he definitely has a chance. And if he practices well and shows what he can do coming off an injury, it'll be interesting to see if he's – Plays to his full potential, but that rotation between him and Cam Craft um, will be interesting to see who gets more of the minutes. But as of now, my way too early predictions. I could see Cam Craft actually as one of the starters on this team and one of the main focal points. But then a guy like Desmond Claude also, who could distribute the ball and give more scoring opportunities to a guy like Colby Jones. So you're saying you want you think Cam Craft? You're gonna go. Colby. Colby, you're going to go. Jack. Jack. Zach. Zach. And. I think Sully Boom will start? Or? Oh, yeah. Sully Boom's going to start for sure. Okay. So your your backcourt's going to consist of, you think you'll see Boom a lot. You're going to see Desmond Claude some. You're going to see Cam Craft start. You didn't even mention Adam Conkle. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I felt like at a lot of times last year. We were putting him in the game to be kind of a lightning in the bottle uh, when we needed some scoring. But um, it felt like at times he was maybe overmatched. He certainly had his strides of excellence. But uh, I see it'll be interesting to see because it seems like we have so many guys that could play this year, and they're all obviously good enough. They're all really close in talent. But it'll, see what, it'll be interesting to see what guys and how many players deep Coach Steele wants to go. Maybe we run nine guys deep this year. But Kunkel's obviously going to see the floor a lot, um, but maybe just not starting. Um, but it's going to depend on injuries, and those things always come up in practice. So we'll just have to see. 
Yeah, and we'll have we'll dive into this more in our next podcast and throughout the season, just talking about this constantly. Just who we think are going to be those guys to fill the spot because I feel like, and I'm I'll, I'll hold off. I'll hold off to tell you who I think I'm going to start, but I'll give you a couple. I do see Sole Boom playing. I think the question is, Alex, is is Cam is Cam, Kiki Tandy going to see enough minutes? I mean, you have. As you mentioned, a guy at Cam Craft, Desmond Claude, and you also have Conkle. I don't know how you fill in a guy like Tandy into enough minutes. And I know, I know, being said that you know, Sean Miller brought him back, and I'm sure there's been discussions about. You, we talked about it for five or six minutes about he, he deciding to come back, and there was that time period of were you worried about him coming back, and, or just worried about whoever's going to come back. And Tandy comes back. Just worried about him getting minutes, and we'll see what happens there. But in the backcourt, I don't know how you can't start Fremantle and Nunji to start. You know, you'll see Jerome Hunter, you'll see Cesar, you'll see Deontay Miles, as you mentioned, who has so much promise. And if he has a great preseason, I wouldn't be surprised. Just like when Fremantle was out to see him starting this year, but it just it's just gonna take a leap and a bound and him getting it in check for this season. Miles comes in as a junior and he's got the promise, but we'll see what happens. And then finally, I want to dive into one final thing before we wrap it up. We've talked about the Big East and there's one team that I just can't believe how much high they're getting ranked, Alex. I don't know why they're so ranked so high and that is Creighton. Creighton had a good year last year. That's fine. They 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 did great in the Big East tournament. They had a good run. But do you feel like Creighton, they're ranked one of the top teams in the country. Do you feel like they're leaps and bounds over everybody else in the Big East? Creighton uh, is a team that just has a really good co- uh, coaching staff with uh, Coach Greg McDermott there. Um, and they're a team that's always going to go out there and compete really, really hard. They had a good team last year. Uh, they always shoot the ball really well, and they're always near the top of the Big East. And I think that they've earned it more than anybody. Uh, you look at Villanova, they turn over a new coaching staff. I would say maybe UConn earns it more than them just because of the recruits that they have and Coach Hurley there. Um, but, yeah, I would say my current power rankings for the top three at least, I would say it's, it's going to be uh, probably UConn, Creighton, Villanova, and then maybe Xavier there at four. Um, do you feel like if Jay Wright, you know, and, and Jay Wright, I wasn't around it. I don't know much about it, but I know he was with that team last year, and it felt like at points in times, he, it felt like he was either just bringing the moment in because he had all these guys that were with him for four years, or maybe he felt like he knew this was his last season. But do you feel like if Jay Wright was still the coach of Villanova, that Creighton would be ranked higher than Villanova right now in the projected rankings in the Big East to be the top team? I do. I mean, they just have such a legacy there. They've been, quite honestly, the top team in college basketball. Um, you mentioned Villanova, right? Yeah, but I was said if, if Villanova, do you feel like if Jay Wright stuck around, they would be ranked higher in the Big East projected standings over Creighton? Uh, yeah, I mean, with Coach right there, they're a top five program in the nation year in and year out. Uh, but without him, I mean, obviously he felt that he left the program at the right time and put him in responsible hands. So 
I don't see them taking much of a step back. Um, you see a program like North Carolina, they move on to a new coach and they make it all the way to the championship. So, uh, yeah, I don't see much of a step back, but it'll certainly be a transition year for them uh, one way or another, uh, whether it's a successful transition year or a non-successful one. But uh, they just have such a good program. You expect them to be near the top every year. Yep, and we talked about basketball a lot. We've mentioned what's going on in Xavier sports. We usually don't digress. We, I don't want to digress too far off the beaten path real fast. But what do you think about Aaron Judge and just this chase real fast? John, uh, I think that it's – 60 home runs. It's incredible. I mean, there's no one else has 40. So I think – I don't – we don't – go far off the beaten path, but just, just the way he's done this, there's nowhere even close to doing this, and he's going to do it over another Yankee, Roger Maris, for the AL record. So what do you think? I mean, it's uh, it's a feat that hasn't been done in quite some time. Uh, it's always great to just see these these records from all uh, any different sport broken, especially baseball, just with such a rich history. Um, and 60 home runs is quite the feat, especially uh, in the non-steroid era, uh, and in a year where baseballs have uh quite honestly been hard to hit home runs with so uh kudos to Aaron Judge and uh hope that he uh gets a few more this year yeah good luck to him that's gonna wrap it up for our podcast for our first one ever thank you Alex for all the talk and thank you guys for listening in uh, you remember you can catch this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts wherever you catch your podcast and also, just look up Xavier Newswire. It'll be right on there for you. Muskie's Talk will be out there all the season. We'll bring you all Xavier Musketeers basketball talk. We'll get into some other sports going on at Xavier as we did today. We'll also dive into a little bit of maybe some Cincinnati sports talk sometime through this, se- through this school year, through the season. And uh, we'll wrap it all up with, of course, we'll do some tournament coming up in late March. So that's going to be very exciting times. Make sure to stay here and stay with us. Where you can follow us again on Twitter and Instagram. At J- mine is John R. Baldridge. Alex is Alex Burnett on Instagram. So you can make sure you do that there. Uh, give us a follow. Also, listen to the show here. I really appreciate it. So, Alex, any last comments? Thanks for uh, for our first podcast. What do you think? How it go? Uh, I think it went well. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Yep. Well, that's going to wrap it up from here. Guys, have a great afternoon and take care. See you next week.